Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we help you break down the art and science of storytelling. My name is Rain Bennett. I am your host, and my job is to help you deepen your connections, increase your sales, and serve your audiences better. Every Monday morning, I send out a storytelling tip to my email subscribers, and I talk about how I have used it in my own storytelling for my clients and for myself, and I leave you with tangible advice on how you can apply it to your strategies. If this sounds like something that would interest you, Go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. Again, that's rainbennett.com slash weekly storytelling tips. This podcast is a Six Second Stories production. Six Second Stories is a video marketing agency that helps you tell heartfelt stories to maximize your impact in minimal time. Find out more about what we do at sixsecondstories.com. Special announcement, storytellers, I have launched my first online course. I've been waiting a long time. I've been so excited to do this. It is called Uncover the Story to Launch Your Personal Brand. Now, that last word, that last concept, personal brand, is one that I fought against. I resisted folks for a long, long time. And hey, flash forward, guess what? When I leaned into it, when I embraced it, when I cultivated a personal brand, the story that I tell others things started to unlock in whole new ways for me. I was able to build a business just off of who I was as a person. Instead of starting from scratch every time I started a brand new project and then bouncing and spinning around from project to project, the core of my business is me. And everything else is extended from that core. So if I want to be Rain Bennett, the podcaster, Rain Bennett, the author, Rain Bennett, the online course instructor, the storytelling coach, the keynote speaker, the filmmaker, they're all coming back to that same core personal brand. This is what I'm helping people do. I started coaching when the pandemic hit because all my speaking gigs stopped and it has impacted my life and I think it's impacted others' lives in such a such a magnificent way, an unexpected way for me. Yes, I consulted with businesses and organizations, but I found the most profound impact by helping other people who had thoughts in the back of their head that they could do great things and serve people and make an impact on the world, but they just weren't sure how to access that thing within them. I helped them do that through finding their story. That has been so fulfilling for me, and I want to help you do that too. The thing is, not everybody can afford the over $1,000 of cost in the coaching package to do that. So I created a 14-lesson course that has all of the things and more that those coaching packages have, including a community of other storytellers so that you can share your experiences with and you can learn from them as well. All of this for $149. We will put the link to the course in the show notes. We are hosting the course on thinkific.com and it's called the Rain Bennett Storytelling School and you can always find out information at rainbennett.com. Well, if there's one thing that I can say about this season, my dear, dear storytellers, it's been soul-searching. That's the only thing I can think about it. Like, we've had so many great episodes. The theme that seems to be emerging, which is probably not so coincidental because it's been something on the forefront of my mind this past year, past year and a half or so, and probably yours too, is about finding our place. I mean, to put it as simply as I can put it, our place in the world our place in our story, how to tell that story, how to tell the right story, how to find the right people, how to find where we fit in. I mean, this is something that we struggle with our whole lives. Some people never get over it, y'all. Some people struggle with this their entire lives and never really accomplish it. Some people never even get to the point where they try. But when you know that it's something you want to accomplish, that's when the struggle and the journey and the story, if you will, really starts. So today my guest is Mathina James Brightful, also known as Sister Mathina. And like a lot of people this season, I first met her and heard her on Clubhouse. She's a uh, she's a mutual friend of mine with Andy Henriquez, who's been on the show, and uh, Brian Fanzo, who I think will be on the show. And I just heard, I mean, she blew up on, on Clubhouse pretty quickly. She got in there quickly and was just in a lot of storytelling rooms. And I just was loving the things that she was saying. I, was all, I always dug the things that she was saying because it wasn't so much like 
surface level, like how to use stories to to sell, but it was always, always purpose-driven and heart-centered and heartfelt and soulful and all the things that she really is, especially that I learned through this episode and that we've kind of, is kind of been the, the overarching theme of season six of the Storytelling Lab. So I had to have her on. I reached out and she just like, even just her response to my reaching out was, was beautiful. And this, I really love this episode because we we hammer home the points that we've kind of been touching on this whole season. And she specifically uses stories to help women heal. And that, if you've listened to the show this season, you know that that's something that we always talk about. It is a way for us to heal ourselves. It's a way for us to help heal others by showing them, by guiding them, by showing them the light at the end of the tunnel. Stories are about transformation. Stories are about overcoming struggle. So, of course, we can heal through stories and through sharing stories. Of course we can. We just have to tap into that. Now, a while back, she had an Instagram post, and I just I want to read the caption because I think it completely sums up who she is and what she stands for and what she does. And she says, it's been 16 years since I began my professional speaking career. And during that time, nearly half of my work has been with survivors of sexual trauma. So this is me talking now. So like intensely emotional trauma. I mean, that is really hard to navigate and heal psychologically. Okay. But I, and I bet Mathina, as she says here, clearly believe that stories are a super effective way to navigate that. She goes on to say, nearly nine years ago, I had an aha moment while at a business conference. If those of us with stories that could change the culture of the world went from, here's a bad experience that happened to me, to... Here is what didn't break me and how we can shift the culture, then we could change the world. I shifted to dedicate my time, gift, and expertise to teach speakers the strategies that will get the transformative result. I mean, boom. Like, that is the crux of the conversation we had. And that, I think, is is the foundation of Mathina's business and her personal brand. That's what she stands for. It's about that transformation and how to cultivate that transformation within people. Now we talked and and she talks about the name of this episode is finding your divine spot through your story or with your story. And that concept, this is what she's talking about, finding your, as she calls it, your divine spot. And it reminds me a lot of uh, Gay Hendrick's book, The Big Leap, which I think we referenced in Jaya Rose's episode a couple of episodes back. We, uh, if you're not familiar, there's uh, that book basically the talks about the four zones, the zone of incompetence, the zone of competence, the zone of excellence, and where a lot of us get trapped, and the zone of genius. That's what it reminds me of, but but a little even deeper. It's not just the zone where you operate and click on all cylinders, but where you are fully aligned. Your mind, body, and soul are fully aligned, and you are driven by purpose. That's what I take it to mean, and I I think that she would would agree with me on that, but she says it so much better than me, and it is very clear that she reached that point. And I am really big on that trinity of mind, body, and spirit and finding that alignment, and I'm on my journey with that, and I'm getting really close, and I've felt it so much all in the past two years, and I've been helping people do that in the past year and a half with my coaching, with my course, and that fulfills me so much to see those aha moments in other people to help initiate and, co- and and help create and be the catalyst of those light bulb moments. It lights my heart on fire. It's my favorite thing about what I do. Second favorite thing is having amazing conversations with people like Mathina. Uh, just the energy she brought. The, I mean, yes, I saw her on video, but it was like, it was like when you talk to her and when you hear her, and I'll shut up here in a second so that you can hear her, you can like hear her aura. Like it precedes her. And it doesn't even have to be visual. Like she carries it. And it doesn't mean that she's always up and always positive. She's a real human. But that soul, that alignment that she has is very clear. And I can see why it helps other people get to that point because it helped me in just a 45 minute conversation. I know that you're going to love this. She is definitely someone to look up to and to follow and to learn from. So here's my conversation with Mathina James Brightful, and I hope that you love it. You know, it seems to be when you're doing the right things, 
right? What your heart has led you to do. When you're aligned, you're living with purpose, you're following, you know, all the cliches, right? You're following your mission. Those things that are tiring that you do are exhilarating at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive, right? Do you find that to be true in the things that you do? And if so, what's the key to that? Because I think you need the exhilaration to keep going <laughs> when you're mm -hmm. tired. If it's not something that you're your heart is into, I yeah. feel like it'd be easy to just like, you know what, I'm gonna let that one drop. You know, I'm gonna start with the key. And I have a really good friend that said this phrase and it, it highlights this conversation of how can I be exhausted and tired but exhilarated at the same time. And her name is Arlene and Arlene said, Arlene Vassal, Arlene said, you can be healing, hurting and thriving all at the same time. And when she said it, it struck my whole being. And I was like, yes. It gives you permission to be in that space of everything isn't okay, but this is going really well, but this also sucks at the same time. What do I tap into? Okay, let me breathe. What is going really well? And let me pull on that. In what areas am I thriving? And when you pull on that and you pull that into your heart space and you hold on to that, it makes it just a little bit easier, easier to deal with the things you're healing from and also the things that's, that's hurting you at the same time. Right, that's, that's what I feel like is the key to remember that all those things are happening at the same time. Well, it, this always happens to me, but yeah, that struck me too. I'm, I'm like, I felt that completely. And it's really hard for us to, to navigate that at times. And I'm, I'm going to piggyback onto that or plus one to that. I was doing my little morning meditation this morning, which I'm not always consistent with, but I try. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a guided meditation. And the woman said, was talking about the very similar concept and the way she, the metaphor she used was to, to water your flowers, not the weeds. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you're out there in your flower bed, you're not just throwing water all over everything, meaning what am I focusing on? Because this was about mindset and manifestation today. Mm -hmm. And she said that thing. I think I tweeted it because I was like, that's I love those simple sayings that are so profound. So that, that focusing on the good things that are happening and what lights your heart up is like watering your flowers, but not watering the weeds at the same time, because I think we tend to just try to like focus on everything and they can coexist. But I think that, like you said, we have to kind of uplift and focus on those things that are bringing that happiness, that fulfillment, that exhilaration to our lives and, and less on the things that are hurting. Um, and just understanding that they can happen at the same time. And, and that's something, I don't know why we struggle with that, but you know, people are either like good or bad, but that's not really the way it is. It's not that black and white. Yeah, I love that. I'm, I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to go look for the tweet so I can capture it and reshare it. <laughs> that, 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 you know, it's what you focus on. And we hear those creatures, yeah. like what you focus on grows or, you know, settle on the best part. And it's the reality is you can do that, but it doesn't mean everything else gets ignored or goes away. Right. It just helps you to process and put totally. things into perspective. And, you know, I had a friend who used to say, one of my coaches, she used to say, you know, how do you eat the pan of brownies one bite at a time? And I was like, I like that a lot better than an elephant. <laughs> Why has it been an elephant? I mean, I get the elephant's large. My mom used to say the elephant thing. I'm like, that's so random, but I like, yeah. I like, I like. <laughs> I like the brownies. I'm a fan of brownies. So I want to, I want to smell the brownies and blow out the candles. And yeah. that makes me think of eating them. So I'm good with that. All that, all that. Um, you know, I think that's such a, a great point to make because it's not that we're saying, you know, don't pay attention or pretend like the bad things, the hurtful things aren't there. Mm -hmm. It's that when you're focusing on the positive things and the things that bring you joy, it helps you navigate those tough mm -hmm. things a little easier. You still have to pay attention to them. You're just not feeding them in a way like when you dwell and, 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 brood in that negative space you're feeding them right that's that's what i would consider watering the weeds yeah. but if you're focusing on the joy around you and instead of me let's use my daughter again i've been single parenting she had a breakdown this morning wanting to go to school she was very tired and I, very easily in that moment i could have like let the, that negativity like win me over i could have yelled i could have done whatever but i was just like you know what I'm grateful to even have this opportunity to deal with a fussy toddler right now. You know, like we had a blast this week. I'm going to hold on to that. And in five minutes, it had corrected itself. You know, it, it just did. And it didn't mean that she didn't throw a fit and that it didn't trigger me a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. But we didn't stay in that space because I was just like, I know, babe, I, I, I wouldn't want to go to school either if I was tired, you know, how can we make this easier, yada, 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 you know, we navigate it. So I think that's really important because we do need to heal from those things that are causing us pain, but we don't do that necessarily by throwing all of our energy and focus onto that. Now, I think that's a good jumping off point too, because it seems that that's your sweet spot, right? You're here to talk about storytelling, but specifically what attracted me to you and how you use, that's what I love about this show. That's what I love about storytelling in general. Everybody uses it in so many different ways. It can be used in so many different ways. Tell me about the way that the way that you have used it historically in your work to help people navigate that to heal. How do they address those things that have caused them trauma or pain? I have done and used storytelling in so many facets, right? But all of it has this center around healing, right? The, the ability to be perceptive of that in such short conversation in various ways is something I really admire and appreciate you for. And it shows that you have a a true gift for what you're doing. And the way I've used storytelling, so I spent almost 15 years working with survivors of sexual assault, trauma, domestic violence, and the like. And so we've done everything from the practical aspect of storytelling, which we produced an anthology for 11 years where survivors were able to share their written stories, their poetry, their artwork, even song. And we produced a physical anthology and we would host an event and they would be able to, some of them if they wanted to share pieces of it. And it really was this moment of capturing a part of the process, right? That was a snapshot of their healing journey. And I've also used it to open up spaces for those who may not have been a trauma survivor in that way, but they've still been through trials. And we talk through, you know, eight years of their life and we capture an eight minute testimony that then changes someone else's life. Mm. And using stories and offering stories as a healing modality, as a moment to advocate, as an opportunity to say, I only may need to say this one time and never again share it. But for this one moment, it is a lifetime of change. That's how we use stories. All right. All right. I have lots of questions. (laughs) Lots of questions. First, how did you get into that? Like, what was your background, either education wise? Like how did, like, I'm, I'm been a documentary filmmaker for 15 years. That's how I got into the storytelling space. And now I use it to help people in a different way. I still make my own films, but now I, I realize that what was your entry point into the world of storytelling? My entry point, believe it or not, was at the age of 14, I became really shy. We're originally from the U.S. Virgin Islands. And so you've got to imagine, right, this eight-year-old girl coming from the U.S. Virgin Islands, handy white beaches, feeling your toes in the sand. I was born in December, but still had birthday parties on the beach. So going to upstate New York, Rochester, and experiencing, you know, literally four feet of snow when you're three feet tall, maybe. <laughs> and... I expected the environment to be cold, but I also experienced cold people. And maybe it was because they never experienced anyone like me. Maybe they didn't know how to navigate having a conversation with somebody that talked funny. But I withdrew, right? I went inside myself. And when I went inside myself, all the excitement and anxiety and the outgoingness that I exuded previously got turned inward. And so I turned to writing. And I turned to creating stories. I remember still to this day when I was in fifth grade, my mom told me about how I'd written a story about a little girl who was deaf and how she now, of course, as an adult, I'm like processing the crap out of this. But I wrote this story about this little girl who was deaf and the little girl didn't look like me. She, you know, I'm a brown skinned girl from the Caribbean with really tight curly hair. And she was um, blue-eyed and blonde. And I remember coloring her, right? And coloring her with the peach crayon. And I, as an adult, I can process it. But I think at the end, I just had this, I had stuff inside me that I didn't feel like I could share. And so instead of, you know, it being mute, it was about not being heard. And so I captured the story of this little girl. That's my first memory of real storytelling for myself. And I remember calling my mom one day and goes, mommy, did this happen? She said, yeah, they called us into the school because they thought there was something going on with you. I said, well, they were probably right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Paul's right there. They called about what? They, they Yeah, about the story that I wrote. They called my parents and I, my mom was the one who came into the school because they thought 
they didn't, I maybe they thought it was an identity thing, but they was like, well, we're not quite sure. And maybe because I was reserved, I had become quiet. I don't been at school for a year. Well, what happened in the story? So the only thing I can remember in the story was the little girl trying to talk to people. And I remember drawing a picture of the little girl and her dad, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, what's funny is I'm not talking about you or your life, right? <laughs> I'm just, right? But really creating an opportunity where the little girl was trying to talk to people. I've asked my mom if she kept this and she said, no, she doesn't have it. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened with it. And I don't even remember all the details. I just remember those aspects of it. Uh-huh. And I think what ended up happening for, for me and for that kind of jumping off point is I found that I could capture how I was feeling, what I was thinking through stories. So I started off as a writer. I did a book of poetry when I was 14. My teacher at the time self-published it for me. So that meant he printed it, bound it, put a cover on it, made copies of it for me. And I didn't realize what that had birthed, but I began writing for school newspapers and I went to college for journalism. But in college, I turned over a new leaf. I thought, what if instead of just writing these stories, what if I shared them? What if I became vocal about it? What if I decided that how I felt about meeting people and embracing them and treating them like they were family? And it changed everything for me. So I ended up being in student organizations. And that was the first time I remember holding a mic in my hand. And I would share poetry and people would listen. And so it told me that those things that I could share, the things that came to my mind could capture attention. Mm-hmm. And if I could capture people's attention, then I could make them listen to the other things I wanted them to do, like come to the student government meeting or <laughs> attend this event. And it began this process of understanding people bought into the stories I was sharing. And that really sent me on a trajectory to land in this place today where I get not just to share my stories, but help people better share theirs and share it with color and texture and contrast to it in whatever way they choose that honors their journey. Hmm. That's how I got there. And you said something along the lines of, you know, besides just writing your stories, what if you told your stories and you said something about making people feel like part of a family or community. Is that what you say? Yeah. It's interesting because I'm wondering, like, you know, it's almost coming back full circle with how you felt as a kid when you were writing that, because you felt like you weren't part of that group and weren't part of that family. And here you are understanding the power of stories as a, you know, in as a teenager and into college to, to make people feel like they belong. Yeah. And that's what, created an opportunity when I first started doing my work with women and mm-hmm. this concept around healing and my organization is called Heal a Woman to Heal a Nation. It started off working with who I was, right? A middle school child that needed the support of adults or people around me and realizing that the adult women in their lives also needed that same level of support. And then it became a reality where I said, hmm, I took a job in journalism being the executive assistant to the publisher of a newspaper. And I hated it because I sat at the desk every day. I wasn't talking to people. I was getting, you know, yogurt and Macintosh red apples. And that didn't speak to me. But whenever I got a chance to focus on the women that I was working with and creating opportunities for them to learn and connect, that brought life to me. And when I found the opportunity to step into a career that blended those two things, the opportunity to talk to people and the opportunity to connect and to share and pull all those pieces in, I really began. So I probably would say I was around 23, 24 when I realized I can do more with this than I'm currently doing. And I began a journey of seeking, well, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to connect with? How do I do more with this thing that I seem kind of good at, but I don't know if I can do anything more with it. That's when I found the world of coaching and professional speaking and storytelling. So I was speaking professionally, but not in the same light. It was more like, oh, I went to this school and they would pay me to come in and talk, but I didn't know this was a career path. Mm -hmm. It was like, where where were you working at that time when you first started speaking? Yeah, I thought I was working at a crisis center. Okay. So my first speaking engagement was to train a hundred in-service police officers. So like detectives who had to take a training because, you know, they got to do that. And me at 23, standing in front of them, 
trying to get all these folks to look at me and listen to me. When I looked different from them, when I sounded mm-hmm. different, I was obviously younger than them. How do I get them to connect? And it was the same concept of stories. So my opening question became, what can you do today that you may not be able to do 10 years from now? What could you t- do 10 years ago that you can't necessarily do as well today? And then stories would come out. Yeah, no joke. I mean, yeah. that's a prompt right there. Yeah. That's that's powerful when you engage their mind so they start telling stories like in their heads. Now you got them thinking, now you got them engaged. That's a public speaking trick too, you know, because now you have their minds locked into what you're saying. Not only that, you know, they're sharing those stories. I mean, you're just, that's a breeding ground for empathy right there. And I think that that, you know, to me is one of the most powerful things about storytelling. And we're kind of getting to this, uh, this point too, you know, it makes people feel connected. It, it, it promotes community building. In your experience, especially with those that need to heal, how important is that aspect to it, to feel that belonging, even tapping back into what you missed as a young woman, you know, as, as a child, how important is that belonging and how effective is storytelling at creating or generating that belonging? Yeah. When you think about oral history of stories, right, that that's what the, that's how the oral tradition of stories will grow and thrive and go beyond community to community to village to village. And it's because we gathered in community and shared those stories. So when you talk about healing, it's it's a challenge to heal when you feel siloed, when you feel alone and like no one understands. But when you gather among people and even if they haven't experienced the exact same thing as you, the power of empathy to hear and feel. There are one of the things that most of us as humans, all we wanna know is that we are heard, appreciated, and valued. And if you can get that out just by sharing this experience happened to me or happened to someone I love and it's affected me, then it opens this door for either I've been there and I feel you or mm, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Thank you for that. And just hold space for that person and feel it. So the power of story and community creates this concept of I'm not alone. I feel heard. I feel connected. And no matter again, if I share my story ever again, there's someone who can share this experience with me, not to feel burdened, not to feel heavy, but to allow the lightness that me sharing allows for me. And it creates the space for them to identify, maybe there's something in my journey that I could share that could create lightness for someone else. You know, stories don't have to, even if they're traumatic stories or stories that carry weight to them, that doesn't mean they have to be heavy. The weight could be in value. The weight could be in shift. The weight could be in transformation, right? The weight can be about no longer waiting for a breakthrough to happen for someone. And it's just because you're willing to lighten just a little of your burden. I really like that, that concept of the weight. Not It's not necessarily being heavy. It's significant right it's 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 powerful that it's not just uh when you think of heavy you know something being heavy like that yeah yeah that's interesting it's just that there's something significant so so for a victim of sexual abuse someone who's been through some trauma on that scale how important is that not feeling alone, not feeling like I'm the only one component to, to their healing journey. Yeah. I would say for preventing it, it's literally vital. It is literally the thing that makes the shift happen because often when something just happens to you, it can mean for someone that it's because I'm bad, I'm at fault, I'm wrong. There's something about me alone. And if I can't figure out what that something about me is, then I can't make the shift. Versus if I see this as unfortunate, some things are things that happened and unfortunately this was something that didn't feel good to me, shouldn't have happened to me and wasn't my fault, but that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. It's a difference between, you know, feeling a sense of shame or guilt. It's the difference from making an adjustment between something happened to me and I've experienced something that I get to now define. And then community and story and healing allows you to have a wrap around, it's a cushion around you 
sudden, in a moment you forget, you bounce against that wall, you come back in their arms to catch you. Mm, I like that. That's not the first time you've said that, is it? Yes, it is. Is it? <laughs> It that, is. that one was so good. It sounded like it was in your bag. Like that was good. I'm going to have to add it. I'm gonna you got to. That was really, really good. Again, and I'm going to make notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it was a metaphor that you could see and feel the bouncing back. No, that was good. That was mean. Um, okay. So I want to stay here in the, in the, in the trauma, the sexual abuse uh, area for a moment, because I've actually had, I often have people reach out to me about, something traumatic they've experienced mm -hmm. that they feel like they should get off their chest. They should share and tell that story. But, and there's one woman I, I, I am thinking of specifically uh, who was in the military and experienced sex, sexual abuse mm -hmm. and was really struggling with that. Uh, well, obviously struggling with that, but struggling with telling that story. And here was the issue. She reached out to me because she saw this was a few years ago when I started my journey into like speaking publicly to writing publicly and getting, you know, getting my thoughts and ideas out into the world. And so I, she had seen my journey start to, to do some things and she wanted that for herself. And so she reached out, but that was the sticking point for her or the speed bump or the obstacle in front of her. Where she was like, but like, I feel like I can help people in so many different, different ways or more than that. And I don't want to be known for that, for my worst moment. I know that that is common, right? I don't want to be labeled as that, that woman, that person, the blank person. Right. And I talked to her about that and I said, well, that's, you know, that's on you, but sometimes, you know, when we're bold and courageous enough to, to face that, it opens up a lot for us. It helps us heal. I don't want to be the one to address that right now. I want you to address that because I know that that's common for that person. What, what do you say to them, you know, in your line of work, knowing what you know about the way stories help heal when somebody's like, I, I, I know that I might, I should probably share this. There's something inside me that wants to, but I'm reluctant to because, because of that, because I don't want to be known for my worst experience. Great question. And I have gotten that quite a bit from folks, particularly that are, especially if they're building a career. And what I often share is this, there are opportunities for you to touch on something without deep diving into it and spending a lot of time there especially if you bridge it to something else that's driving you in, in another direction, then you can bridge it or you can really choose not to share. There's a number of different ways to share. You don't have to always share publicly on a stage. One of the things I would say, well, could you, I had one particular person who said, well, I want to do it. And I said, well, what's the it? And she said, well, this, this, this book, and so then it was an anthology. And she's like, I want to share my story, but I don't want to be pigeonholed. I don't want to be kind of kept there. And I said, that's one of the beauties of anthologies is that you can honestly choose to promote it or not. And then your story's still out there for the person who needs it and reads it. They get a moment of deliverance, a moment of caring, healing and breathing again. And you could choose not to talk about it ever again because you've gotten it out. You shared it. And if you want to, you know, the new wave of uh, book designs. You can put a little something in there about how they can get in contact with you if it resonated. And so you still get that cathartic feeling of knowing it landed with someone because somebody every single time will reach out to you and share with you what that story meant for them, right? So there's a number of different ways that you can process and use it without saying, I am this and labeling yourself in that way. Absolutely. What about sharing it... Um... What about, I don't, what about just totally internally, your personal journey, like not sharing it with anyone else? What if they wrote the story just to get it out of their head and their heart? Is there any value in that? Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. You know how many journals I've been through over the years? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah. And I have a good friend of mine who is a, a clinical, ther um, clinical therapist and has been for over 20 years. And still keeps a journal for herself, recommends it to all of her clients, because sometimes that's exactly it, right? Like, like me when I was eight, no one else ever needed to hear that story, right? Yet it did something for me, it began a journey. And when that journey began for me, and 
they ended up putting me on stages enough times to have about 40,000 hours of speaking experience. That's crazy. That started from an eight-year-old girl, probably about nine at the time or so, writing a story because it wasn't for anybody else. It was for me. Mm -hmm. It was an opportunity for me to capture that I have stories within and then I got to choose. That's key. And I think that's key for people to hear too. It's like, it doesn't always have to be some you know, external motivation behind it. It can still be a healing thing without you having, having to turn it into something. Yep. Right. And this is also works for people who, you know, maybe you don't want to journal. Maybe you're, you love to write your own stories and sing them. Okay. And turn them into music or song. Maybe you want to create it in a a physical art piece. You know, maybe you want to write it out and burn it. It's about getting it out there and not for anybody else. It's about for you. Absolutely. Now let's flip that coin over because I know that you work with people uh, now um, and we'll talk about that in a moment on on shaping their careers and kind of like, I know, you know, definitely getting on stage, but it seems like you work with them in a variety of of manners to help them kind of find their calling, find their path. Is that accurate or fair enough to say? It's fair. So can someone take that thing and and build something out of that like a career like can they take that thing they healed through and if so i see you nodding your head how like how do they take that thing and not be labeled by it but build off of it yeah great question i actually have someone who's a survivor who experienced a sexual assault and then incrementally started with oh i'm gonna write a little book and right and literally wrote the book and then said well I want to gather other survivors. And so now she said she began gathering survivors. And then for her, the, what took her in the next place was, well, I actually want to do policy work. So I'm going to start telling pieces of my story, but really I want to spend time advocating for policies and laws that will shift and make changes, not just for survivors that experience assault like me, but for anyone who's impacted by various forms of violence. And so that became the trajectory for, for her. I have another person who I know of that's an educator and had a history of experiencing trauma and bounced it off by building the campaign, but bridged off of that campaign and now does, you know, spiritual artwork, doesn't talk about the trauma at all, but does spiritual artwork because it became a catalyst for developing the muscle around advocating for your skill, for yourself and for your journey in life and really offering your gift into the world that sharing that piece of that story became the, the key to the prison of your gift. Hmm. And if you can break it open, right? Literally take your gift off of guard and use the gift to guard your journey and not keep it under guard so that it gets locked away and no one gets to be served by it. And the first person that's ever served by a gift is always the person giving it you are the first person that gets served by your gift. So if you want to build a trajectory, a journey, or what have you, first decide what's the first place I want to start. That's where you start doesn't mean where you have to stay. Think about a marathon. Where you start isn't where you stay because you're moving. And along the journey, you're going to get markers that say, this is where you are. You can choose to stay there, even if it's just, you know, maybe need a 15 minute break, or you can keep running. And then, so choose where you want to start. Who do you want to start with? Mm-hmm. Right? I started my journey with children. That's what, now I spend very little time talking to young people. Yeah. But I started there. So what do you want to do? Where do you want to start? Who do you want to start with? And in what method? People laugh because while I'm a speaker and can do keynotes, and I will, my love is training. My love is spending time with you, seeing you, making that eye contact, getting heart to heart and belly to belly so I can wrap my arms around you literally, but not due to COVID. I'm going to wrap my arms around you with words. And then you're going to tell me all your business and we're going to work it through. And we're going to walk out with a skill and a strategy and a community that supports you in breathing when you feel like you can't breathe for yourself. Why do you think working with people that intimately is so fulfilling? I think it's because there is a moment of transformation that happens. There's that shift that happens. It's a good moment. Every moment that that happens for someone else, I feel the new part of myself emerging. So some of it is selfish, right? 
not in the I'm hoarding anything, but mm -hmm. in the I want to grow, I want to mm -hmm. develop. And for every light, every candle, if you think about it this way, if I feel like I'm a light and I'm a candle and I light other candles, then we illuminate a room. Mm. I see. I'm, I'm, you know, com definitely compared to you, like very early, you know, I've been doing this in my career, in this aspect of my career, I've been doing this for what year is it now? 2020, like three years, right? Two or two or two or three years. But I know that feeling. And I've just started coaching. I started coaching last year because of the pandemic, because my speaking gigs and traveling obviously stopped. So I started doing it. And I know that feeling you just described, you just described it very well. Uh, and especially you with the metaphors, you with the, with the candle was perfect, but I, I get that feeling too. And, and, and that, that really hit me when you said that, because it is that moment of transformation. When you see that light bulb go off in their minds, that's a power, that's a powerful moment. I, I, I definitely understand that. Yeah. And I love, and the thing I love about the candle analogy mm -hmm. is because one light bulb doesn't light another, but one candle can light so many others. And that's I love what I see it. in you and what you're sharing. Uh, and I think that's what drives us. Is see, this, this, this reminds me of my, like the Christmas Eve service. You know, we had the candles and you light each other singing Silent Night. And, and we used to walk outside the church and into, I'm from a small town in North Carolina, onto the downtown street and would finish singing it outside. And it, the whole sanctuary and then the whole block would be illuminated. And of course, that was the most powerful moment of the night and the one in which we we departed, you know, on. But that that makes me think of, think of that. And you're you're 100% right that, that light bulbs don't work like that. You know, that's a, that's all. That's a deep metaphor because now we're talking about human heart versus, you know, technological tools. And I think that we, when we put our heart in those tools, they can be very effective. But I think when we try to chase the tools yes. first mm -hmm. versus the heart, yeah. it doesn't hit the same way. And it certainly doesn't illuminate a room the same way. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't. Oh, mm -hmm. I felt it too. I felt it too. I knew I liked you. That's how I knew I liked you. And when I reached out to you, that message back, I swear it still, it still, it still killed me. I was like, oh my gosh, this was a good decision, Rain Bennett. <laughs> I did. I loved it. I was like, oh my gosh, look at these people. Yeah. It was it was yummy. I loved it. And I'm glad we got a chance to make the connection traveling in this space. And I'm excited to hear for those who are listening and connecting to this conversation and how it continues. And that's the piece that really is exciting for me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we definitely can can build off of off of the 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 little bit of energy we've conjured up in this in this chat today. Um, I want to go back to when you first started using stories for the uh, probably at the Rape Crisis Center. You know, you were speaking to, you know, law enforcement. You know, you're speaking to you know administration, law enforcement, things like that. But at some point you made that pivot to talking to the survivors mm -hmm. and helping them share their stories. Yeah. What was the catalyst to that? And then I'd like to learn what was the impact? Mm -hmm. It started off with survivor phone calls or uh. survivors coming up to me during sessions. And, you know, of course I, I was speaking to a wide variety of audiences and this is really, so if you're, if you're in storytelling or, and you wanted to be in speaking, speak to as many audiences as you possibly can, especially if you're trying to truly figure out, I mean, I've literally done kindergarten, pre-kindergarten classes, right? To active duty military, to police officers, college students, high school, um, single gender communities or audiences, I've done it practically all, right? Yeah. And that's how I was able to really find that divine spot. Some people might call it a sweet spot. I call it the divine spot. I like yours better. <laughs> and that divine spot that aligns with my assignment, right? Because for most of us, you know, and this is how I made the pivot. I had to identify as folks would come and as survivors would come, what am I achieving? What is I'm, what am I aligning to? And then what is the assignment that I'm meant for? And that, that is the place where, through, where true ascension really occurs, right? And it carries you forward into that next phase. And so I really began to see the difference when survivors would come and they went, well, how can we stay connected? What can we do different? Where can we go? And I didn't have an answer. 
It's like that person who comes up to you and say, how do I keep working with you? Do you have a book, a CD? Do you? And I didn't have an answer. <laughs> and so I began working with other advocates to say, well, what is our answer to this? And survivors began to tell us, well, I do this. Can we do something related to that? And that this was, I write poetry. And one of the survivors was an English teacher. And she's like, well, if you write it and you write it, I'm happy to edit it. I said, wait a minute. There's the spark. There's the candle. There's yeah. the candle. And so we began to honor that and just say, well, what do you do? Well, I write songs and I, I do artwork. Well, can we put it together? And it, and they start off as open mic nights and then came this product, this product in this book. So See, that's how we got there. And it was totally organic. What you just described, it wasn't forced. And that's, that's the thing about stories and storytelling is it's not this, yes, there's an art and science to it, but if you relax and stop trying to force things to happen, it's natural. It's human nature to, to share stories. That's what I always try to, I, I hear all the time. They're like, Oh, I'm not a great storyteller. I'm not this. I'm like, you're human. You are a storyteller. You just got to practice. You just got to get the reps in like anything, but you, you are by design a storyteller. I, that's how I feel. I feel like we all are. And if you, tap into that and just let it organically happen instead of like well what do i need to include here and there and overthinking it you know it's it's not it's not the same it'll be effective if you let it and that's why i love that because it just happened well i write poetry oh well, i'm an editor and then boom boom you know it grows from there yeah and i started up an open mic night grew into and and now we just did the 11th edition we just did the 11th that's edition wild. so yeah so what in what ways, like, how are you using storytelling now? What's next? What are you focused on? What are you excited about? What's got you exhilarated in the upcoming year or two? Ooh, ooh. I think where I really want to spend time, and you just talked about it, where folks organically do amazing. And it's like, that was amazing. It's like, and they're second guessing. It's like, no, 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 don't second guess. Stay there. Start there. Here's how we can grow. Don't second guess. Just mm -hmm. grow. Just grow, water the flowers, let it grow. And then you'll get a chance to be able to see clearly how to separate the flowers from the weeds. And what's exciting to me is to working with people who are in that space, mm -hmm. who are, I'm doing really well, this is great. And typically what happens is people either hear me speak or connect with me or they're talking to a friend, go, oh, have you talked to Matthias? And then I go, I'm happy to support you with that. And it's like, I don't want to spend a long time. I know I want you to have amazing, organic, quick wins that gives you tools that you can pull out over and over again. It's always going to be about that candle. Can we light the flame that you can then light some other candles with and move forward? So that's where I'm going to spend quite a bit of time is really working with folks who are amazing, yes, but really want to go from, from good to great to grand. Let's amplify it. And then the other piece to this, and, and I'll kind of close on this in terms of what I'm excited about next, is refining that process to work with more what I call survivor storytellers, right? To create a process where more of them get access and can deep dive and, and play with it and, and have some of these pieces of conversation we talked about in a way that feels good and authentic, that holds the dignity of their experience intact and allow them to powerfully choose when they're ready to. So survivor storytellers is, is really what I'm excited about next. I think that's a, a lot of opportunity that because the unfortunate aspect is that there's a lot of trauma in the world. Yeah. The fortunate thing is that we can heal that collectively, heal through that, you know, work through that together. And the easiest, most effective way, in my opinion, and I'm sure you agree, is using stories to, to make that connection. Absolutely. Now, when we first hopped on and you were, um telling me the correct way to pronounce your name i said well i like that better than what i i was thinking athena but i couldn't remember the word i couldn't think of the word that I, it made me i said stronger and i told you the bit about bennett with two t's yeah. and you just said something about your divine spot yeah and that's the word that i was actually looking for i was yeah. thinking godly is it godly what is the what mathina yeah. is divine that's, wow. That name and that pronunciation sounds divine. And on top of that, we got a little assonance with the Mathina divine. Anyway, uh, that worked out organically. Um, <laughs> but that was the word when I was saying that. That name has, 
gravitas it has power wow you want you know what's interesting what's that i've always searched for what my name means mm -hmm. and i'm the only messina that i know of it is my uh grand my aunt's middle name but um my grandmother had passed we never got what that where it came from and so we're the only ones that we know of and so i'd always try to figure out what the meaning was and i would come up with this thing and people try and do pronunciations and things and so finally i started saying it means the one god is blessed to bless others Mm. And I went through uh, a trial about a year, a little over a year ago now, two years ago. And I was feeling like I was at war with myself. And without saying this, I went to see this amazing chiropractor, walked into her office and she looked at me and we were talking and she said, what does your name mean? And then I told her, she said, without me saying anything about feeling at war, she said, but you're a peaceful warrior and you need to reconnect to the peace. And so let's redo the name meaning. And I said, so my name now means peaceful warrior that God blesses to bless others. And so the fact that you just said that just warmed my heart. We didn't even talk about it. No, but that's a perfect place to end today's conversation. So I appreciate you, Mathina, for spending thank some time you. with me. I knew it would be amazing and you did not disappoint. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for the Absolutely. connection and for for following your intuition. Mm -hmm. The first of many, I hope. Yeah. All right, have a great day. You too. My name is Rain Bennett. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. If you're already a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a review and let us know the value that you've gotten from it. We love to hear from our listeners and learn about the benefits that they're getting from the show. That's what fuels us and that's what fuels the show. And if you've already subscribed and you've already reviewed it and you think there's someone else that would benefit from listening to this show, please, please share it with them. The more we grow, the more we can help you grow. And that's what we're here to do. Join us next time on the Storytelling Lab.